How do you two know each other? Donna, go back to the TARDIS. Huh? Go back to the TARDIS. You never tell me to do that. Oh, but he is recognizing me. Are you not gepleased, Herr Doctor? To see me again after so many years. Who is he? We meet again, Doctor. You say we don't know. We say we don't know. We say Drag this out. And welcome to Trek This Out podcast. My name is Suki, and I'm joined today by Drew. Hold on, Suki, have we started? No, darling, no, this is just a rehearsal. Rehearsal. Life's one big rehearsal, isn't it? Yeah, when I give you the signal, you come on. Right, in about 10 minutes before I let you back on again. (laughs) 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 The the hand signals don't work on a podcast. Well, we haven't started yet, so it doesn't matter if we break I'm still keeping all this in. Uh, so I'm joined by Drew. Hello. Hello. And some bloody woman that keeps interrupting me called Deb. Hey. With a Romulan ale on the wrong podcast. Uh, we are here to talk about the giggle, the final David Tennant, uh, Catherine Tate anniversary special from Doctor Who. This is a spoiler warning. Do not proceed if you haven't seen tonight's episode yet. Spoilers coming up. Go away. What if? What if? (laughs) What if the Toymaker's domain is still lingering? Just for a few seconds while we're in a state of play. Oh, so maybe... Hey, watch this, watch this, watch, 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 watch. Stand back, stand back. Go on, that's it, Donna. Oh! Wish me luck. What for? We won the game. You get a prize, honey. Here is mine! <laughs> Ta-da! I am so sorry. That is completely Nuts. <laughs> so I'm going to go straight into it and ask for your initial thoughts. And we're going to go to Deb with her mouth full of ale. It is water, but it's in a room with an ale. Uh, I actually loved it. Exactly what I like about Doctor Who. Fun, satirical, joyful, made you think about lots of even though I said what I didn't want to end up with with two doctors, I'm happy. It's good to Drew. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I was I was a bit puzzled at the end of the first watch of it, but I watched it a second time and really enjoyed it much more on the second one. I thought it was great. Very good. Yeah, what so about yourself, Suki? Me, me, me. I really, really enjoyed this as 
He says there was initial doubt on the first watch, and then when I've watched it now, twice plus the third time with the Invision commentary, I just got it a bit more, and I really liked it. When I discussed it a couple of days ago, well, not a couple of days, yesterday on Around the Console, I really did love it. I did like it on there. Uh, did you discuss this by any chance uh, on Doctor Whose line is in any way, Deb? Uh, I only popped on. I, I'm, I, I, I thought I wouldn't stay for the entire one because my loyalties lie here, and I wouldn't want to be seen as uh, two timing. Check this out, because this is where I belong. I know, I know that this this is the most important pod to me, and I wouldn't go off and start moonlighting. It's taking you two weeks to get to there. Three weeks to get to that. I was at my mum and dad's and and mum would have sulked if I was any longer. Right, so let's go into this then. Uh, I'm going to start with, I've got about 15 topics here for some reason. I don't know why I've got 15 topics, but I've got 15 topics. And the first one I really want to go is the big one. The big one, which is... 15. 15. 15 15 for shooting. Yes, 15 for shooting. Oh, yeah. Yes, uh, I like you. Think you know, too. this it's all up here, you know, in this head of mine that I've got all this planned out. But anyway, the boy generation. Now, what did we all think of the boy generation? <clears throat> well, th- this is the biggest amount of puzzlement that I had uh, the first time watching it. I was very shocked about it, and I was like, "What? What is it trying to achieve by doing it? You know, what? What is the aim of of having?" both doctors around and I, I was really like i was thinking about it thinking about it second time watching it though i just went with it and thought you know kuti was so good when he appeared and he was so excellent that i just i forgot all about it. oh what was the point of it and just got on with it one yeah. second one second what did you call him is it is it not kuti no <laughs> sorry <laughs> Wait, where's it? Shooty, that one. Shooty, sorry, sorry. Oh dear. Right. Okay. I'll try and uh, uh, edit. <laughs> edit round it. I might just leave that in. Actually. Yeah, go for it. I said last week. I mean, since you um, managed to get a good guess in um, the Star Trek about uh, the the bat, big baddie that time, was it being the Borg? And I insisted it wasn't. Uh, I honestly didn't have any spoilers, but I just got the idea of what Russell T said about there would be two doctors. I didn't expect there to end up with two doctors, but he said, you know, it'd be something that we haven't done before. And I thought how nice it would be for the two doctors to meet and sort of have a handover. And I, I love that. But I mean, for me, the purpose of 14 staying it's like a soft reset in a way because you've got the doctors have got this increasing angst and history about stuff that's happened in the past that the guilt that's going on the tiredness there was one bit that that donna said you're staggering i saw inside and and you're just staggering along and there was a tiredness not just because uh, david tennant's a bit older but there has been a tiredness in the Doctor uh, with the guilt, you know, Adric, the flux, the, the feelings of loss of people that have died, he's left behind, he's been around for a long time. So to me, the two Doctors, you've got one that is recuperating and enjoying life and healing, and that leaves Shooty's Doctor to be full of hope and energy 
and going forward and not having all this baggage. So in a way, I, I'm quite happy to leave David Tennant's doctor there. It's so tempting with his TARDIS that he may appear again. But it is like the longer he is part of Donna's family, the more he is healing and the more energy and positivity he gives Shooter's doctor, which I can see a, a new energy and a new dynamicness. And I wonder because Suki's got his hand up quite keenly here, is that um you did you did you watch the commentary, Suki? Yes. yes. So you know what Russell T said about it? Yes. I'm less keen about what he, but if you, if that's what you're going to say, go ahead, Suki. First of all, I, I didn't mind the boy generation thing that happened. You know, splitting up of the two, uh, the doctors, and having, as Deb says, having a look a handover between the two doctors, which has never really happened before. Where if one doctor just goes, and the other doctor is there, and they just carry on as that. This time, as we've seen in the episode, it's the two doctors together. Now. It is said by Shutigat was doctor that we've gone through rehab the long the the wrong way around, and basically what's that what's happened to the fourteenth doctor, as Deb says, he's now resting with Donna's family, getting the getting <coughs> all his thoughts together, just getting everything out of his system, uh, and then by the time he comes to old age or whatever. He will then just die and everything will just go into Shooty's doctor. And then when shoot when Shooty comes out of that boy generation, he's looking at 14th and he's going, I'm free, I'm re on me, I am actually really me, because he's had all that long rehab from the 14th doctor living with Donna and her family. So so that's that's what we think is gonna happen. Or was that what was said on the commentary? Because a lot a lot of people are, are saying so what is going to happen? Will 14 eventually heal up and then regenerate into 15? Like he's come from the future. No, he has already, he's already regenerated. That, that the regeneration has happened. That's why you've got that by generation. This is, this is what I'm thinking and a bit what Russell sort of implied. He's already regenerated, but 14th is still around. This 14th will now just live his life as one single life, not you know, not regenerating. Once he comes to the end of his life, all his consciousness will probably go back into the point where he regenerated, and then Shooty will then, uh, when Shooty appeared, he's actually got the stuff that the fourteenth has basically been healed, and so the fifteenth would just carry on as normal, right? That's what I think, and that's what the Russells is sort of implying as well. I don't know. I mean, what one thing Russell said, which he's not certain about himself, I don't think he knows quite. I mean, I like the idea that the more the 14th Doctor rests, that that energy still goes into Shooty, but that's just my interpretation, is that in his head, and he's not actually said that this is what is going to happen, is that all the Doctors are now yeah. have suddenly woken up and didn't regenerate. So it's quite possible that any of the doctors, like in the the shorts which came Tales on, of the what, Tardis. yeah, Tales from the Tardis, where there were older versions of the the doctor that didn't regenerate, is that that is now possible be, 
because the the residual power of the toy maker meant that all the other doctors could have now reappeared. I'm not sure I like that. I I mean, last week I was quite passionate about the idea that this is Shooty's time. Shooty is the doctor, but when it actually came to it with the when he was going to go and it was, you know, it's time and it was all going to happen. I was, I was very sad. And that's the thing, isn't it? When there's a regeneration, there's still a sense of loss and hope, which is kind of good because that's that's what happens in our own lives. We have physical loss, but also metaphorical losses in, uh, in our own life. And I, I, I see metaphors everywhere, but I'm not sure... I, it's difficult, isn't it? Because in my in my head, I'm saying I'm not sure I want the old doctors to suddenly appear as as old. Tennant can do that now, but on the other hand, it was really nice watching Tales of the Tardis. Yeah. So my heart is going, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing about the by generation is, which is, I'm not the only one to think this. I've seen it on Twitter. Is that they were splitting clothes? So <laughs> Shooty had the shirt. David had the the vest and, and the trousers. Shooty had the, the pants. Yeah. Nick, so that does mean that David Tennant's doctor was going commando for the rest, which was a bit of a distraction, but quite a nice one. I thought so the you, distraction would be the pants, not the, uh, the fact that you... I did have a bit of a look, but oh, um, they were... So did Craig, actually. I'm just going <laughs> to say from the other podcast. Uh, the other thing which it strikes me is there are now... Are there three, four, four David Tennant doctors around? Don't you think Martha's gonna? If Martha finds out, she's gonna be so pissed off. Everybody else gets their own David Tennant to take away, and she didn't get one. And I think it's justice for Martha. We need another one. He can regenerate from his foot this time. The by generation, forgetting about what we thought of it, was very a very good moment. I thought that bit when you know all the. Uh, the yellow come on and you hear the noise happening and you're like, oh, here we go. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then it all faded out, didn't it? And then when her full team was saying to Mel and Donna, grab a, grab a hand each and pull. And that, that bit when uh, Shooty all of a sudden come out, I mean, me and my wife were just like, what? What's going on? It's this such a like good the, bit. It's like the, the annoying boy at school. It's, pull me finger, pull me finger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's all... an enormous fart and then yeah. the 15th doctor would come out yeah that's all when when he said pull i, I actually thought is he actually going for a flatulent joke here flatulent. <laughs> right and i'm thinking no okay he wouldn't he wouldn't work that but yeah i did like the fact that it was a big build-up and remember we knew this was going to be a regeneration in this mm. right, so whether it was going to be at the at that point of the episode or at the end of the episode, we knew that this was coming. So Russell could have just, you know, flipped it and just let the last 15, 20 minutes of the episode just be shooty gap was uh, the 15th Doctor just take over the rest of the episode. But the fact that he split it into two, two Doctors and just took it in that direction. It was a concept that he's been thinking about for a while, having two Doctors, one the current Doctor and one the future Doctor just meeting just at the regeneration time. I think it did work. I did really like it. I also mm. like the fact that you had Donna and Mel both by his side uh, saying we weren't going to leave him. And basically he needed them to be able to pull himself apart. Right, so I'm going to go on to my next topic, which is Shooty Gatwa. 
Right, 15th Doctor is finally here. What did we think of Mr. Gatwa? Absolutely loved him. I was just like instantly fell in love with him. He was just so full of energy and charm and also like confidence. He's just he's so good. I just I'm so excited to watch the Christmas episode and future Doctor Who now. I really, really love him. The the bit where he got the, the mallet and he hit the TARDIS and just before he did it, he kind of like did one of them baseball kind of lifting your leg things. And and I think my favourite bit of him was when um right at, when they went back into the TARDIS and he just said, I love you, but get out. <laughs> it was just so delivered so well, that line. I, I, I loved it, honey. I, I, this is going to clearly be Shooter's thing, isn't it, honey? Uh, he, he's already know? got his own style, and I was reading up that he, because they're filming his second series now, and how he has lost his nerves a, a bit now. So clearly, he, he knew the weight of what he was taking on. He'd watched Doctor Who since Christopher Eccleston. I love him. I love him. I, I, um, I love him in Sex Education. And he's got quite a following anyway. He's clearly got a lot of of energy and passion and politics. I love the way that he's bringing his Rwanda background into his doctor as well. His Scottishness, which which reminds me of Bellend, Twitter of the week. But um, we can come back to that. Shoot. So, sorry, I guess say Suki. Shooty. <laughs> Suki. Yes, I love the shooting in this. And I'll be following his career. Uh, since sex education, because I, I started watching that a few years ago, just before he, um, well, well before he was announced as the Doctor. So he knew how good an actor he was. Coming into this, he, as Drew says, he seemed very lively, very happy. Maybe the 15th Doctor, as we've already discussed, has lost all the uh, the emotional baggage of the previous 14 incarnations, or, or however many incarnations have been. And uh, so he's going to be able to live his life to the full. So you, you've also got him hugging 14th Doctor, saying, look, you know, I've got you, babe, basically. And uh, give him a kiss on the forehead as well. I think he's going to be quite touchy-feely because you also see it a bit later on. He walks arm in arm with Donna, just down towards where um, David Tennant's standing. So all this, I think he's going to be a welcome sight for the future of the series. I like... The fact that he was quite comfortable in his pants, basically, uh, because I can't see any other doctor being able to perform just in their underwear and a shirt. And you don't want to see Colin Baker like that, would you? Oh no! Oh, sorry, sorry, Colin, but no, I would not. But if you follow me on Instagram, which I do, it does put up a lot of stuff, videos of him in the gym, so you know he's quite physically fit. He's a beautiful man. Yeah. 100%. Yes, as is David Tennant, still beautiful, as he mentioned in the episode. Yes, but he hasn't quite got that physique that he would start posing naked for magazines. And talking of sex education, there was a, a little tiny in-joke, wasn't there? Go on. Did you hear that? Yeah. No. Where, uh, when he first regenerated and he was saying, he was saying um, Maeve, wasn't he, to, to Mel? That's oh. a character from uh, Sex Education, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
He, he sort of went, Maeve, Maeve, Mel, Mel. Did you did you not catch that? No, no. Yeah. I didn't catch that. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll miss that one. Have you watched the um the ad the advert for the Christmas? I'm absolutely sure you have for the yeah. Christmas episode. Yeah, but have you bought the song? The Goblin no. song. Yeah. Oh. It was oh. number one on iTunes. Yes, yesterday it was. I think it's dropped to number two today. Is it? I yeah, kind of so... want Shane McGowan to get Christmas, but it would be nice, wouldn't it, to get Christmas. I'm the doctor. What's up there? Goblins. Oh yeah. Time travelers are great. Like wow. Ah. Hold on tight. Who are you? <laughs> Because it looks like he's just continuing straight from the end of the episode, isn't he? He's got a lot of positivity and confidence and joyfulness in that little Christmas advert. Great. The way he was running around his tardy, uh, well, not running around, running around the console, he wants to be able to go out there and travel. He's now got the opportunity to become the Doctor. He wants to be out there travelling. Uh, so as soon as uh, he kicked, as Drew says, get out the tardies. He basically, he wanted to be gone without saying goodbye, which is one of the traits the old doctors used to have. At the end of an adventure, they'd just sidle out of the room and jump in the tardies and they're gone. They didn't have to say their goodbyes and go. And this is what he was about to do here. What about, we'll go on to number three on my top uh, little chart, which is Mr. Neil Patrick Harris as the toy maker. Uh, Go on, on, Deb. So good, so good. I mean, I've been a fan since Dougie Hauser. He's got so much charm about him as a person and so much campness, which he can bring to a part. But, um, I mean, that sounds like he was playing Neil Patrick Harris. And clearly he, he played a lot of range of characters. It was just so good, that dancing as well, with, you know, Spice Up Your Life. Yeah. The, the joy that he clearly had playing the part, he's got to come back. It was, it, of course, it reminded you as well, probably, of uh, the sound of drums with the master. Yeah, see, this, yeah. this is what I thought myself was this was like a master performance. It was basically another version of the master, but this time with this character, has got the ability to manipulate things just at, at, at you know a flick of a uh, wrist or whatever and he he could just do do this stuff whereas a master has to put things into place whereas the toy maker has the godlike abilities to do things mm. initially i thought it was just a master-like character now watching him i just thought the performance was brilliant he was given things to do which is well within Neil Patrick's, within his abilities, uh, because he is a magician and he is a dancer and he's a singer. So, well, he, he mimed to the Spice Girl song. Uh, 
But it, all this was there. That's why one of the reasons why he was given the asked to, to uh, take the role. And when he read the script, he just went, "Yeah, I want to do this. I want to be able to be able to form this." Whether he comes back or not, or whether it's going to be his legions, I don't mm. know. If the legions at the end are some of the characters that are seen to be mentioned as going to be future guest stars in series one and two of um, the 15th Doctor. We'll have to just find out and see because there's a couple of characters have already been in there. But such I'd... a good character, though. Such a, uh, the way that he played, the way with the sleight of hand and, and, the, and the cards. It's absolutely, actually, um, I should point out Jason Isaacs can do me just yeah, magic as well. So, but I doubt if he's a good dancer. Absolutely genius casting and so camp and lovely. And the moves that he, he did with his legs side to side, I, to, I keep watching that. Absolutely fantastic. Loved it. He, he was brilliant, wasn't he? He was yeah. just so superb. He just brought campness and evil villainness and anger to the role, didn't he? He's just, mm. it's difficult to think of if anyone else could have pulled that off as good. Just, he was excellent. The winks to the camera, you know, every time he was... Uh, and the way he moved suddenly. Yeah. And when, at the end, when he was on the gun and he kept getting, like, outplayed. Because, and I thought it was a really clever concept, this this being that basically the doctor said, you can't defeat him, there's nothing you can do, just stay away from him. But because he follows the rules of the game, you can actually beat him. So it's, it's a very clever concept. But yeah, when he mm. kept getting angry, just he had the face of just, just mm. like, you didn't want to mess with him, did you? It was the uncertainty as well that came into him as well as he realised actually it wasn't quite going to plan. In the original story, Oh, actually, no, you're right. He, he, he did follow the rules. He was following the rules. But the characters that were playing the games with Stephen and uh, Dodo, they were the ones that were cheating. You're right. He he followed the rules. The toy maker himself, because you, you initially had him in the toy shop at the beginning with his German accent. And to emphasise the racist origins of him, even though there is a Twitter thread that explains that the actual the initial story was never ever racist. It was um, it was interpreted many many years later as being racist. If I can, I'll try and find that a uh, Twitter thread and I'll put it in the show notes. But um, bits where he was asking the the assistant John Logie Bear's assistant when he comes in and goes, uh, "You must not be used to this uh, these sunnier climbs." Or uh, you must be used to more yeah. sunnier climbs. And the guy goes on born in Cheltenham. Uh, so, yeah, so there was that little element there. He did go all over the place with his accent. Yeah. I mean, he, he had the American accent when he was uh, with the little marionette show with the Doctor's Companions. Uh, that's that's all right, man. Yeah. That was another really good bit, wasn't it? It was excellent. He, I just can't think of anyone who could have done that because he just seemed to be... Off the scale awesomeness, in my opinion. What I, I like about this, and I mean, Russell, Russell the Davis doesn't always get it right, but I mean, in a way, it was OTT and it could have been painfully so, but at the same time, there was a serious message. He was bringing out the worst of humankind, but all of what 
the humans were doing was exactly what we do anyway. It was just without the best of us. So you had quite a, a parody of the woman who wouldn't wear the the Z-Tex thing. Can't remember to write down was the the thing on her arm because she, you know she was like an anti-vaxxer going. They're trying oh. to control us. Mm. Oh, huh? yeah. do you know who that was? Right, uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of history. Uh, that was a character called Trinity Wells. Now, Trinity yeah. Wells was in the first four series of Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, if you followed Doctor Who from the beginning, she was a character that used to appear on the telly as a yeah. newscaster, and she would sort of give information dumped because yeah. she was relaying the news of what was happening. Oh, a spaceship has just crashed into Big Ben. That's, That's it. I knew I recognised yeah. her. Yeah. Right, so yeah. she hasn't been in Doctor Who since the end of time, uh, some mm. ten years ago. So and she was she... the one that commented when the giant cat went on uh, the cat that was climbing up the side of the, the 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 big um, post office tower. That's the goodies. Oh, is that the wrong wrong series? Yes, the. Well, why, why, why have you suddenly thought of the cats that are going up the post office tower? That's the goodies. Oh, <laughs> I just went straight over my head, Dad. There's that some nice up to date references we're, we're doing now, isn't it? I know, I know. I've got to keep him on his toes. Okay. Yeah. Right, sorry, I've just had no, a message. I was, from I was work. thinking it, it was the spaceship over, and it was just in my head, it mm. got merged. With the spaceship ho hovering over London, I suddenly had this image of the big white cat from the goodies as well, and I, I just thought they were quite fun to merge them. You see, welcome to my brain. Well, well yeah, <laughs> I have to live with this. This is this is what I have to go through every day. From there, we yes, so what I'm saying. Go on. About, <laughs> oh. no, <sorry. laughs> but about the bit that um, that the doctor says, you know, don't think. You've got an excuse of what the toy maker's doing. Um, this is, you, you are, human beings are clever, brilliant, um, uh, but you're also savage, re relentless. All the anger, all the lies, all the righteousness, and this is a short version, I couldn't write quick enough. Uh, you know, that's who you are, uh, using your intelligence to be stupid, poison the world and hating each other, and you've never needed any help with this this is your worst attributes bringing out wasn't making human beings behave anything to do anything that some humans haven't done before so you had the anti-vax bit but you also had the i'm right everybody else is wrong sort of twitter attitude there was the bit as well which we commented on before about shirley Ann bingham in the wheelchair because she she stood up and because when she took the thing off the Z-Tex thing, and, you know, I've seen Shirley, she she can walk, I know this, this is all, and it was conspiracy of the redheads, but also, I saw you, I know you can walk, and that is exactly what Twitter were doing when they saw that Shirley Ann Bingham had crossed her legs, so it was, you know, people in the wheelchairs don't cross their legs, so this is all things that, that have been going on and that do go on. But that also goes back to the beginning of the episode, well, uh, mm. Percy just jumps in front of the car because yeah, exactly. he owns a road because he pays his taxes. Yeah. Right? And mm -hmm. as the the story with this uh, Z, uh, this uh, 
giggle or whatever it was is because everybody in the world was thinks that they're right and this is why basically going yeah. on to social media with yeah. everybody giving their opinions and their opinions is the right opinion the factual opinion even though it is on most cases never the case so the, this is one way of making conflict and and this conflict was just driving the world insane. Yeah. I mean, the, the pilot, pilot decides he wants to land anywhere. Uh, yeah. You know, that's mm. just probably wherever he landed, it's probably killed whoever's on the plane and killed whoever, wherever he decided to land. It's just, oh, it was a good idea right at the beginning to yeah. make the world just basically go mad. And I loved it. I loved it. Nothing is too far fetched that we don't read stuff like that on Twitter anyway. Yeah. It's just taking out the better side of humanity. But as the doctor said, everything is there anyway. This is who you are. It's just it's just exaggerated it um and taken away the more brilliant side. We use our brilliantness and cleverness to poison the planet and to kill each other and to hate each other. But we also use our brilliantness to, to to care, to save lives, to, to try and protect the planet. There, are, There's both, but but all those elements that the toy maker brought out are real. Sorry, Suki. No, we're just going back to that opening scene as well, where you got everything happening. Remember last last week we were wondering how Wolf was going to be in the story, seeing as if he's going to carry straight on. And then, but this, the clip from that uh, that uh, scene was released online uh, during the week. So everybody knew that Wolf was never going to be in this story. So we, we had Colonel Ibrahim turning up and Donna basically going, make sure you take my granddad away. I want him in safety. And yet you have a little, you'll have a little audio clip from, I think, Bernie Cribbin saying, Donna, go with the doctor or something like that. Uh, so that was it. For Bernie Cribbins is uh, well, Bernie Cribbins was appeared last week, and this is it for uh, this episode. I don't know which one because I have actually watched the, the commentary and Unleashed, but one of them it says that Bernard actually died in where they were filming this, mm. so he must have mm. been filming when he was pretty crocky, and so it may have taken a long time to film the last scene. But by the time they were in the garden doing the the family scene, Bernard had died. And at one stage, it was the commentary, Russell had written something for the doctor to say, acknowledging that Wilf had died and saying something about Wilf. And Phil Collinson had said, no, don't do that. Wilf, mm. Wilf is living forever. Live his, live, he's, he's shooting mobs. Uh, why yeah. do we need to bring that in? And it was, it was a lovely, happy, positive ending. And and now for me, Wolf is always going to be off there shooting moles. <laughs> yes, the, yeah, fantastic way to end Wolf's involvement within this, the, the, the show. You don't have to know how he passed on, if he passed on at all. He's just there shooting moles. And now, did you get the reference to moles in yeah. this story? <laughs> Only because I read it. Yeah, uh, Drew. Uh, what you have to fill us in. Yeah. So when the doctor says, "I love moles," this goes right back to his first appearance in Doctor Who, 
when he's just re- regenerated, he's got. He says, "I've got a mole, basically, on his body somewhere. I've got a mole." Back. And then he goes, middle of, the back. "Middle of his back." And then he goes, "Oh, I love mole. I love a yes. mole." And then obviously, this just comes straight back to his final appearance. I love moles. So uh, yeah, so that's something very clever. Uh, uh, just from from his beginning all the way to his end. The retirement aspect. Now, do you, that's all right, really. I don't mind that retirement. The 14th Doctor basically retiring. I know he's got his TARDIS there, and there is hints that he's already taken uh, Rose to Mars, and I think he's taken Mel somewhere as well. Uh, New York, I think. Uh, so he is using the TARDIS, but I don't think he's using the TARDIS for adventures. And if he is, I'd, this copy of the TARDIS because this is a copy, which you'll find out in the new series, uh, this copy of the TARDIS may not be taken in to places where there's going to be danger. It's just going to be... I think that this TARDIS is just taken to, you know, places Shops. of interest, but not... Little. Yeah, uh, joy rides. Little. Uh, little, Aldi. Do you think we'll get some uh, money if we promote some of these uh, superstores? Yeah. Right, so what did you think of the return of Mel- Melanie Bush as played by uh, Bonnie Langford? I like Mel, you know. I know she's in some pretty terrible episodes, but it's good, and it's good to see everyone coming back. I mean, it's not the first time she's come back, though, is it? Because she was also in the uh, the Companions group, wasn't she? So, But, yeah, it's good. It's good to see that she's employed by UNIT as well. It mentioned the Sablon Glitz, wasn't there? Not sure how she got from the future back to the past, but never mind. She had a yeah. Zinger. Zinger? It's, it's a time-travelling taxi firm as well, is it? It's, it's just a word that they used uh, to explain she, how she managed <laughs> to get whatever she was to her. So it's yeah. a Zinger. She got a lift. I like the fact that Bonnie Langford and the character of Mel gets a chance to be a powerful, clever woman because the way that women were written in the past and also the style that women were expected to act was a bit naff, really. And now... Especially her character. Mm, But she played Mel really well, sensitively, I thought. It showed a different side of her as an actor. She has, uh, from you know, since she'd been in Doctor Who, she has Mm. gone on from strength to strength and she's Mm. won... Awards for EastEnders, right? Uh, mm. As a best soap actress, because she was great. Good, yeah, she's had some Not really good storylines. Yeah, yeah. She's had some really good story, and I like the introduction she had mm. in here. In that, the Doctor and Donna walk into Unit HQ, and basically, uh, there's this person that just hands them a file, and she's just uh, the Doctor doesn't realise who it is, and just carries on, and then realises, and it's Bell that goes, "We'll catch up later," right? Again. Showing how she mm. it doesn't have to wait for the doctor to do things. You'll just say, "Make sure oh, we'll we'll just catch up later." I loved yeah, it. Yeah, did... wait till, wait till she finds out how much money Donna's been offered to do her job. Well, you you, you don't know. Mel might actually be on the same sort of money. Yeah. She might be on the same sort of wavelength. <laughs> I want to get. I want the same money. Uh, but I did say she was going to be back for this episode last week because the photo that was released was the petals, and there she's right at the back. And I did say she was back. Uh, so, yeah, it was great to see Bonnie Langford back again in this uh, 
this episode. Now, what did you think of Unit HQ? Because this is a massive set, a massive set, which will, from what I've been told, is going to be utilised in the next series. Whether it's actually, so whether it's going to be in the next series or whether it's going to be in a unit spin-off, mm. don't know. But it is going to be utilised a lot. Yes, yeah. it's a fantastic looking thing. It looks a bit like Tony Stark's building, doesn't it, from the Avengers? Yeah. So that Disney <laughs> reference all... coming through. Yeah. The building was just ridiculous, the amount of uh, uh, similarities between the two of them. And you just think to yourself, what was going on here? Uh, somebody must have just gone, there's a template for the uh, the Avengers building. Just take the eye off it and just pour unit. Yeah. It's two fact- different locations, though, isn't it? It's the car park in Wales, I think. And then the inside is a studio somewhere so it's two different locations so and it was that really hot summer as well which meant the light was good but if it had been raining it would have really buggered things up so i doubt we'll see the outside so much no but i I love the the fact that they got this brand new building they got this and they're not a secret organization no more i love the way kate just you you think doctor's going to get another wallop here Right, because you know this mm. seems to be like a trend with this with this doctor getting smacked in the face, uh, and Kate just walks up to him, gives him a hug, uh, and I thought, yeah, fantastic. We then go to there's a creature within the the building called the Valinx, as voiced by Nicholas Briggs. Uh, what did you think of that? Because this looks like uh, like a supercomputer, but in robot form. Go on, Drew. Well, the first thing I thought was, where have I missed where this creature's come from? Because I was like, did he just appear or what? So I did, I did get, get online and it appears, yeah, he is pretty much just appearing, isn't he? Although maybe it's going to be explained, you know, in the in the next few series. I don't know. He's one slight criticism in the episode. I thought it looked a little bit cheap compared to everything else. What, what do you guys point. think? I mean, I'm saying I have actually done research this time. I think that's the point, that he looks a bit battered, that he's just come off a spaceship that's crashed somewhere. Next time you see him, he might well have been polished up a bit. So I think it is a, it will be um, evolving, evolving, like the TARDIS. Mm. What did you think, Suki? No, no, I, I love the fact that they've got this, they are, they're embracing the fact that the uh, unit, unit is embracing alien races to help them tackle problems. And I like the fact that this there's this alien creature helping them out. There may actually be others, uh, which we aren't aware of. Is that uh, what they need is a federation of planets, really, isn't it? So that they can all work together. Well, this could be the start of that. You know, Union yeah. HQ evolves into whatever the shadow pro- proclamation is, is in many years later. This could be the start of that. Um, also, driving Jeff uh, Zephyrin Cochrane. Zephyrin Cochrane, old Star Trek reference. This time I've got. Well, that, that was the point: the Federation of Planets. You remember the, the other program that we talk about? Oh, the goodies, you mean? Well, that too. Anti-Tracker's Guide to the Galaxy. If I talk about anything. Oh, there's also uh, another callback which I didn't realise until it, uh, I just thought about it now. Is since all the uh, the alien, uh, alien, all the, um, they might as well be alien, 
uh, all the politicians are uh, under um, the influence of uh, whatever this uh, the giggle is, uh, so they're not thinking straight. She's at uh, Kate had to wait for the doctor to give her the permission, and the doctor's goes, "You have my permission," and she goes straight away. She thank you, doctor, and that's it. That's all she needed because she, she couldn't really go through all the red tape of all these various sovereignties around the world. Uh, being able to uh, give the permission to take this. I love Donna's into... face, though. Donna's face. Well, what? <laughs> you know, but he's just a twat that wanders around in a space. Yeah, it's like, how does he have the power to do that? President of the Earth, President Capaldi's yeah. era, I think he was, uh, um... or may have actually be even before that. Now, uh, the next thing I want to talk about <laughs> is the games. What did you think of the games? I mean, me, I just thought they were very, 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 very basic. And I'm thinking, I mean, there's a card game right at the beginning. No, not a card game. Card game towards the uh, the middle of the episode, and then you got the catch. And they, uh, the card game, you know, just cut. Hoist card wins. And, of course, there's a little bit in there. Uh, the hoist card that won was a King of Hearts, which is, again, I think, a reference to uh, the original story because there was a character in there called the uh, play uh, the king of arts in there right so i think that was a reference to that but then the second one was catch i had it if you're throwing a ball between the three of them and there's two of them, two of them against one what can just one of them just chuck it off the side of the building uh you know and that'll be that'll be the end of the game the the, the, uh, the toy maker is never going to get that all right so i that catch game and it was badly edited and i know and i know why it's because Apparently, Neil Patrick Harris, David Tennant, and Shooty Gatwa cannot throw or catch. <laughs> uh, so they they sort of had to edit all around that. If you look at some of the actual throwing actions, you know you, you could tell they've never really played catch in their lives. Well, you was obviously looking at it far closer than me because I didn't notice any bad cuts. I I thought it was just hilarious. Like you know the the, the fate of almost the whole of the earth lies on them throwing this ball around and just mm. all the silly, you know, poses and catches they were doing. I, I thought it was great. I was just, it was a fun bit of the episode. But if I can just go back though, there was another hilarious moment where it made me and my wife really, really laugh after the cards game when the doctor lost. And then when he said, uh, but of course I've won one. You've won one, so that means best of three. That was just hilarious, I thought. But uh, I'm going to tell you something else here. I thought that was a mistake as well, because within the continuity, the Doctor's actually fought or played against the Celestial Toolmaker twice before this one. Uh, so when in the Celestial Toolmaker, the original story, that's the second time he meets him. And the second time he defeats him. So, and this one was the third time. So it couldn't have been best of three because uh, he was already 2 1 up. Okay. So that's why I think there was a bit of a continuity area, mate. But for this story, most people aren't going to go back to watch it. But now, because they are releasing the Celestial Toy, Toy Maker as a colorized animation uh, towards the end of next year. So you will be able to see that story properly, but in animation form instead of a, because three of the episodes are missing. It's only the final episode that still exists. So you'll be able to see that. 
the next thing I want to hear is Donna and her fight with the babies. I thought that was a really creepy scene. They've got all this scene where the this little scenes where the doctor and the donor are walking around these maze room uh, corridors and doors and stuff like that. They're having a little chat, and the doctor uh, donor points out, you know, this is you, you've got to start looking, uh, um, uh, relaxing, and basically, you know, calming down. Uh, and then they split up because when she's giving him the pep talk, of course he's gone off and run off and locked the door behind her. And then you had this little scene with the doctor and the marionette uh, assistant for the uh, John Logie bed, which was nice and creepy. Uh, well done. Uh, and I thought, fantastic visuals. And then it goes straight on to the doctor fighting uh, Stooky Sue and the babbies. And uh, having a, a tea time viewing where you got Donna bashing the baby's heads against walls or giving them a good kicking, uh, I thought, okay, this is a bit, <laughs> a bit out there, really. Yeah, it was damn right creepy and frightening, wasn't it? If you're gonna have any, if you're gonna have a, a scene that's gonna make the kids hide behind a proverbial sofa, that was it. I thought it's the scariest uh, Doctor who's been probably since Blink, maybe. It was it was creepy, wasn't it? It really was a dark turn to the episode, but it was yeah, like you say, really well done. They were they were excellent puppets, and I just I think it's really funny that you know you wouldn't get the the doctor doing anything that aggressive. Yeah, you, know, you don't mess with Donna; she just smashing the baby's head and then goes back and kicks the other babies in the head. Yeah. <laughs> and basically, just go, you know stares them down. Do you want some basically babies? Yeah. And they, of course, they don't, uh, want no, they don't want that. And I do like the behind-the-scenes stuff because uh, these these little puppets were there on the set as they as as they are, and then all the people that was operating them were all uh, just taken out of the uh, the actual scenes, you know, painted out or uh, as they call it, painted out of the picture. And mm -hmm. uh, you had the creepy little doll just walk. Now these dolls are these real people because in the original story again. I I just thought about it now. Is the original story the the characters that are playing the games against Stephen and Dodo were real people that had lost previously, and this was their chance of getting gaining their freedom, their freedom. So and um, when the right at the beginning the toy maker says, "Oh, I've got I've had to cut real hair off um, and put it on this person, uh, this doll." I'm just think still thinking. That these uh, he might have just taken off the person that he, he put uh, killed, and my, these dolls are real people that have been just uh, put into these sort of forms. Again, you see, because because Donna's just smashed their heads against them. They they don't exist now more as such, but they are they used to be human, I think. You've also got it with the the marionette of the um, the John Logie Baird's assistant uh, because. He's a real person, and he comes back to life as soon as uh, the toy maker is uh, destroyed. Basically, at the end you see the assistant suddenly with John Logie bed uh, have a little uh, start. He, he just looks up and just realizes something's changed, and this is probably where he really he he is not listening. He's not hearing the rhyme that made him go back to the toy shop. Uh, so he is is uh, alive now. I'm hoping that the the original the, those babbies and the uh, the mother, they may have actually come back as well. 
Oh, that's very sweet. Yes. It's just to put her devotees. Yeah, well, I did think it was funny when Donna. Very uh, Rivers of Babylon. If any theologists are listening, want to know about, was it what psalm one in the rivers of Babylon? The original psalm ends up with people bashing babies' heads against rocks. But Bonian don't sing that verse, apparently. Yeah, it's not, not quite pop, is it? No. We're talking about pop. Uh, Spice Girls. Yeah. Right. Lovely. I, I love the music, uh, the, the dance sequence in this, uh, the way he, he was performing the little uh, cuts to the other characters, the dances with uh, both Mel and Kate, which both resulted in them being spinning either into a wall or into the floor. And I just thought, uh, uh, I just love that whole little little sequence. And the, the creepy creepiness of that scene as well is you've got the soldiers all firing these petals because the bullets have been somehow changed. And then you have the two soldiers turned into balls and then Shirley has one ball and it's got the face of the soldier screaming. And you realise the doctor's there trying to tell these people, don't, don't, you ain't going to be able to do nothing. He's just going to kill you. But nobody listens. Kate should listen. She's she's had enough experience, but she, for some reason she doesn't listen. Yeah, it was it was just a fun, marvelous scene, wasn't it? It was just in your face campness, and it just it looked fantastic. The you know you're talking about bad cuts. I think this was cut really well because it really worked well as as a piece. I thought. If you notice as well, that's the only scene that I could see with Kate firing her gun where you could see her fingernails and her, she had red fingernails. You're giving me the finger there. I, the I know exactly what you're talking about. It's the, the tooth at the end, isn't it? Because that Ooh. is much debated online. Is it Kate that is picking up the tooth that's got the master trapped in it? Because it's a red nail varnished hand, yeah, isn't it? But... But the hand that picked the ring up when it when the master had burnt was red fingernails. Of so course. It, and then it was like, is that the Rani? But it turned out to be his wife, didn't it? Mrs. Saxon's Saxon. wife. Yeah. So I can't see Mrs. Saxon being coming back. Right. So it's got to be somebody within, I think, this story with the red nail polish. And the only one, as it says, is Kate. So if Kate's picked up the the ring, uh, the tooth, is she keeping this in the Black Archive with the rest of the alien artefacts underneath the Tower of London? Uh, to would, make sure. It would have shown if it was Kate and it was all legit. It, they would have shown it. So speculation, you're saying it's not Kate, it must be somebody else. Unless Kate does something silly with it and doesn't realise what it is. But if it was Kate just putting it in the archive they would have shown Kate and it, it's the link with the red fingernails also when you did you watch yeah you did watch the uh, commentaries mm. did you notice Russell T Davis spoke an awful lot over that entire scene it was like they didn't refer to it at all he was talking about something else as if yeah, yeah don't 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 worry about this too much he seemed to do it on quite a few occasions on certain things. 
uh, within that. Mm. I mean, he was talking a lot. Yeah, so th there was a lot of stuff that he could have given. Maybe, as as he says, he's, he did talk over it because he doesn't want to spoil future series. Or maybe it's, you know, it, he wants it to be a bit of a surprise. Never know. And my <laughs> final, final bit of my 15 things that I've got on here is the TARDIS ramp finally got wheelchair access. Now, I know this is actually seen on here as wheelchair access. I, but Kane, I used to bundle into the, uh, the mm -hmm. even with the lip. How did he always used to do that? I was still thinking he had um, wheelchair access or canine access in the past, and they've just, it's just for some uh, They've decided to highlight this for the first time here. Though. From when you re-read about K9, I don't think K9 could really go anywhere that it was supposed to go. Was no. it, the radio um, signal was the same as the cameras, so I think K9 went exactly where K9 wanted to go. I don't think anyone had control. But wasn't he carried out a few times? Yeah, he was carried in, mm -hmm. carried out a couple of times. Yeah. Lightweight prop. But uh, if you if you want, I don't think there's anything. If there were, ever was a TARDIS that didn't have a lip to get in and out of, then it must have been very fragile. <laughs> so. Okay, so uh, that's the end of my little bit. So, so I'm going to go up to you guys. And is there anything you want to uh, mention? So let's go with um, Drew, since he's got his notes up. We, you mentioned about my legions are coming, but the, the other bit that was near that scene was um, the toy maker spoke about the one who waits and he was scared to play him, wasn't he? What what do we think of that? Another know. big baddie somewhere? Well, if it's somebody who's uh, more powerful than the toy maker, because remember the toy maker has dispatched the master and... Um, the gods around, uh, not the god, the guardians of uh, time and space. Uh, so these are all big, powerful people within the Doctor universe. So he's managed to dispatch them, and then you got the what this person, this creature, the one who waits, and he's scared of that creature. Yeah, so it's going to be another big, massive bad boy. I can't really speculate who who it could be. It's me. Oh. Thank you for outing yourself on the podcast. No uh, worries. The one who was. What I was doing in Wales a few weeks ago. Right, now I know. Kind of makes sense. Yeah, she's yeah. a bit evil. Quite. Anything else, Drew? Um, the only thing I've got is the Adric and uh, Sarah Jane mentions were nice, weren't they? Acknowledging that um, Sarah Jane is no longer around. And you know how upset they were. It's just it's good. It's good that they we're getting lots of continuity from the classic series, aren't we? Now all of a sudden, and it's it's good. It's good for us old timers to get all our uh, our continuity in. Well, if you if you look at it cynically, you could also look at who, uh, Russell T Davies is uh, just promoting the Hooniverse because uh, you know all Sarah Jane's adventures on there. Um, the other ones that he mentioned were like the gods of Ragnarok, Legopolis, um, 
and other stuff like that. So there's a lot of stuff that is just Mavic Chen. Mavic Chen. Uh, I mean, this is from a missing story where there are only three episodes that actually exist. Uh, so all this stuff is out there for people to go look on the Who universe. It doesn't help for overseas viewers unless they've got Brickbox or uh, I can't remember what the other uh, one is that's got Classic. But it doesn't help them. But all the, for us in the UK, you can get most of this references that that's been given out there. But I did like the stuff that they did mention. I loved her. I loved her. Yes. Yeah. But it was a lot to do with, with the 14th Doctor's angst, wasn't it, really, as well? The fact that he was tired and that he'd done so much and suffered so much, as well as the joy, but but there was that much baggage, wasn't there, which he could then leave behind. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to hug yourself like that, though? Well, that was nice having somebody there who knows what you've just been through mm. and that person yeah. is basically you and they know what you've been through and and you can see in this other person that you're about to hug mm. the pain and the, the all the misery that your previous life's been and that other person can see in this other person mm. uh, that he's actually free from all this. Yeah, and, forgive, forgive yourself really. Yeah. And... So it was great having that little scene, hugging both of them hugging yeah. each other and just moving on, basically. Deb, have you got any final thoughts? Yeah, uh, I have. Why didn't Malandonna react to the, and I couldn't really think what it would have been called, but Shooty Bill and, and, and anyway, Stooky Bill. Uh, I was looking at Stooky, Shooky and Suki. This is, yeah. This, yeah. this needs to have their own spin off series. Um, so yes, um, so why didn't they? Because they had a theory, but they didn't really know as whether it was just that they they budget had run out of Z-Dexes. Um, But I suppose by then we knew Donna wasn't going to react because she she didn't go loopy. So I guess they just had to explain. Um, although maybe she hadn't wouldn't have been any different. So the other thing was oh yeah, I've just written Trinity Wells there. The doctor being mean to Shirley, I thought that was funny. The looks, it was like, for fuck's sake. Um, I thought that was, you know, she, he, he was a bit bitchy to her a few times, really, and giving her the uh, um, the pissed off looks. Twitter Ballend of the Week, I don't know if you've spotted any, um, the big one f or the silliest for me. And also, I was thinking about this in the, in the week, that if anyone is listening, it's quite, it's really nice to have different views. And when we're calling people bellends, it's because they, we think, have a very silly uh, and quite offensive attitude, which is quite negative and unhelpful and hateful, that sort of thing. Well, me anyway. Um, and it's actually, I get quite excited when someone writes in an opinion that is completely different. So the bellend... Twitter of the week, I think, is the whole thread which objects to the fact that Shooty is seen wearing a skirt and that apparently this is woke Doctor Who. It's terrible. They're not going to watch it because Doctor Who would never wear a skirt, even though it, it is a kilt and the Doctor's worn a kilt before. 
And, uh, you know, Shooty is Scottish and Rwandan. And, oh, yeah. one thing we didn't mention was the new screwdriver. But um, I'll leave that to Shooty. Suki. Oh, okay, very tongue-tied here. <laughs> well, the, the screwdriver doesn't make an appearance until next, I think, the next episode anyway. So we'll Are we not allowed to, to talk about that then? Oh, no, you can talk about it. We'll talk about it speculation for uh, the next episode. Uh, but we'll do that in a bit. Uh, so if there's no more final thoughts, you haven't got any more um bell and Twitter things, no, just no, we no, go I... with the we go with the skirt thread, do we? Yeah, let's go with the skirt. skirt. These people who like every week proclaim they're never going to watch it again, it's like, yeah, well, don't watch it then, isn't it? But all the stuff that's happened in Doctor Who, and this is the straw that broke the camel's back a man in a skirt, okay. Whatever. Whatever. That's it, whatever. Most of these fans have got classic and previous seasons of New Who available to watch. If they don't like this era, they can all... It's like loads of people didn't like the Chibnall era. Loads of people didn't like the the Moffat era. Uh, loads of people didn't like the original RTD era. But they still carry on watching the show. RTD RTD2 era is this current uh, one. Uh, RTD oh, he's got to have a name for everything, isn't there? <laughs> uh, shall we go... Yeah. Shall we, shall we go on but to I would watch? say something about the screwdriver, though. Um, and I think everybody's seen, we've retweeted it anyway, the uh, Rwandan proverb, although, to be honest, since it's written in Gallifreyan, it could read absolutely anything. We're just taking their word from it. But I think it doubles up as one of those ice cream scoops that you get in the top of a cardboard <laughs> container. I'll send you the uh, the Gallifreyan uh, alphabet. Which oh, there is one, is there? There is a Gallifreyan alphabet. All right. right I'll find it. I'll, I'll, I'll pass it on to you somehow. So let's go on to uh, lights out of five. How many lights you see? There are four lights! I asked how many lights you see. Five. Oh, straight away, Deb. Shall we just ask? Just not uh, ask you. You'll just come straight out with it. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm not messing around. I'm being good. Okay, cool. Five. Let's move on then. <laughs> True. Oh, do, you haven't done the lights out of five bit yet. Sorry, I think it's five lights, Suki. Okay, thank you, Deb. <laughs> Uh, Drew, my darling, please put me out of my misery. I, I think it's a five as well, isn't it? I might have said a four if I'd only watched it once, but second time, really reinforced what a great episode it was. And just for Shooty's last 15 minutes, it's a five for me. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to, I've been giving fives for all these episodes. They've all been good in their own particular way. And uh, with this story, uh, this final episode of David Tennant's new 14th or old 14th Doctor, I just thought it was a great way to send him off. Uh, new mythology has just opened up. Uh, we've had a fantastic introduction to Shooter Gatwa as the 15th Doctor. And um, I just think this is a five lights out of five, basically. So, yeah, five lights out of five for me as well. Let's go on to listeners' feedback. Listeners' 
Drew, do you want to start? I will do. And uh, the first one we've got is Schrodinger's Librarian, which is Rach, isn't it? Yes. And they say... She's very good, I thought, Rach. Very, very discerning. Very, very... um... They'll believe a word everything Rachel says. (laughs) Yeah, I I think she's particularly astute. I do love her opinions on things. I do love her opinions and I do love her. She's just great, fantastic. But the fact that she drew drew attention to you pair above me was totally uncalled for. Uh, but anyway, read out her feedback. I will do. Feedback. I will do. So Rachel has to say, been setting up a new house after everything has been in storage for fifteen months. So we've been watching the Doctor Who sixtieth episodes a bit late, and I haven't gotten feedback into Trek This Out Pod. I do have the latest pod ready to go as soon as we finish part three. Have really enjoyed your chats on parts one and two. And Deb and myself are brilliant as always. And Suki is doing a good job as well. There we go. I don't think we could disagree with any of that, Rach. Great (laughs) feedback. I have Jeanette Hardwick. Uh, and Jeanette says, I remember the Celestial Toymaker played by Michael Goff. The new one looks like a copy of Q from Star Trek. Well, uh, did you see Michael Goff had a little, appear- a little appearance in within the episode? Him and William Hartnell. So they had clips, uh, colorized clips yeah. from the original story. And that was done by um, Rich Tipple and Kieran Hyman. And I've met Kieran Hyman a few times. Yeah, he's a good lad. Good lad. Um, so a next bit of feedback is from Dave K, and uh, Dave says another entertaining episode. In my view, better than the Star Beast, but not quite as good as Wild Blue Yonder. Neil Patrick Harris was outstanding and just amazing to have had him in Doctor Who. Uh, the ending was very drawn out, and I'm not sure that the toy maker dropping a ball was the most dramatic ending possible, but an enjoyable watch nevertheless. Eleven out of fifteen Doctors. 3.66 lights. Uh, if you want to listen to Dave's and his co-host Rob's uh, hot take on this, this episode, please check out the Doctor Who show. Uh, I will put a link up in the uh, the show notes. Excellent. So next we've got Tom Turlow. And Tom has got to say, typical RTD end of series final. Loud, bombastic, silly, emotional, entertaining but not entirely plausible i was never tenant's biggest fan but he played this quite well neil patrick harris was fantastic as the toy maker and added real vim and vigor to the proceedings i will treat the whole by generation thing the same way i do the timeless child business i just ignore it unless i am forced to do otherwise it was a bit silly, but it gives the tenant doctor his happy ending. The new guy seems charismatic and dynamic, but he may be a bit too hip and groovy for this old Doctor Who fan. I'm intrigued to see how Cutty does in the upcoming series. Shooty! Sorry, Shooty, <laughs> sorry. I'm intrigued to see how Shooty does in the upcoming series. On the whole, these anniversary specials have been enjoyable and a bit disappointing. Four whatever's out of five. 
Lovely feedback there, Tom. Not so good reading, unfortunately, from me. Don't worry, I'll edit most of that out. <laughs> Great. Okay, so I have <clears throat> feedback from Jack McMorrow. Have a glass of something ready. Neil Patrick Harris proves he is legend. Wait for it. So for the last year, I've been joking that in my teens, David Tennant was the doctor, so I must be young. Must still be young. I guess I am. A rule of thumb I have is that an episode has so much content that I can scarcely believe it was only an hour long. That's a sure sign of a really good episode. Well, this was a really good episode. With you there, Jack. I am ironically quite split on by generation. On the one hand, it's welcome relief that David doesn't die. I couldn't get through another, I don't want to go. And we have, of course, seen multiple Doctor stories, but now we're 14, we could have a multiple Doctor story where the Doctor can retain the memory of that adventure. But it feels a somewhat cheaper way out of David and into Shooty, but it gives Donna her own David Tennant, as Rose Tyler has. So, yes, exactly. So, shame Martha has seemingly been left out in the cold. But I believe there's another one floating around somewhere. Based on his extended cameo, I can't wait for the shooter era, which starts with the Christmas special. Unapologetic fun and acceptance seems to be the theme of upcoming Doctor Who. Why does a unit chopper need to tow the TARDIS to Stark Tower? Surely the TARDIS has infinite mass, so carrying it is next to impossible. Good point. Had same question last time it happened. I think day of the Doctor. We see just, Shirley. Just very before you cool. carry on, just before you carry on, the, um, the the TARDIS has actually been transported a number of times mm. over the years, starting with the fifth Doctor episode, um, the first, uh, the fifth story in the first Doctor's era which is like Marco Polo, uh, and it's been transported across China on the back of a wagon. So, yeah, um, the TARDIS, might, uh, I, I think the TARDIS got infinite mass. Sorry. Well, if it, if it did, it would turn into a black hole, wouldn't it, of course? Oh, it's too complicated for me. <laughs> too complicated for me. I don't know. don't know the science on that. Sorry, have you finished? Yes, I have. I have interrupted Jack. I do apologise. What a nerd. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Lost we, see, uh, we see Shirley very briefly out of her wheelchair standing. Again, I speak for no disabled people, but myself, I try to be out of my relate, rollator at any opportunity which presents itself. I'm glad RTD is showing how... Disability aids like wheelchairs are equalizers and not an individual's whole personality. Also, the TARDIS's front door of becoming wheelchair accessible with a simple ramp is important in showing how asking for accessibility isn't asking the world like many people act like. Overall, I give the giggle five balls out of five. What's that? Dari? Dairy. Okay, so D A R Y. Yeah, dairy. Right. So the thing was, right at the beginning of your feedback, you says Neil Patrick Harris proves he is legend. Wait for it, dairy. 
Right. Because that's oh, a reference no. to his Legend body character in um, Derry. How, yeah, How I Met Your Mother. Thank you. Also, I guarantee Spice Hut Your Life just shot up on Spotify. It should do. Uh, well, Spice Up Your Life, might, I, I don't think has actually made a dent on the charts, but the uh, the Goblin song has. That's see wrong. the little goblin, see his little feet. No, and his little nosy-wosy isn't the goblin sweet. Hey! Okay, I don't think that's the one. Uh, is that, so, no. So we've got the goblin song. Is it? Yeah. All right, okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, we've got the other half of the Davis duo, the Davis couple, the dynamic duo. Uh, Sarah. Uh, Sarah says, sorry, love them all. Really enjoyed this week. Slightly creepy and brilliant to shine a light on the worst aspects of humanity. Neil Patrick Harris was a bit overblown for my taste, but given his background in musical theatre, I got a kick out of watching him dance with the great Bonnie Langford. The end scene in the garden was a bit schmaltzy, felt a bit staged, and like someone else had written that bit of the script. This is the sci-fi show, so I have no problem with there being yet another David Tennant in the universe. Although I can't be the only person left distracted by the thought that Shooty had left DT without pants. I am so looking forward to his doctor and can't wait for the Christmas Day special. All in all, great fun and a fitting closure for Donna. Four Ood Orbs out of five. That's She's good. Ood Orbs. Mm. Excellent. So I think our final bit of feedback is from Murray Christensen. <laughs> and Murray has to say, Loved it. Some proper weirdness. The toy maker was a great returning formidable foe and there was a real sense of threat throughout the episode. I was hoping for a bit more cleverness to beat the toy maker rather than him just buggering up a game of catch. But we can't have everything. Shooty really hit the ground running as a doctor and from what I've seen so far I think we could be in for a treat. Also, has any other doctor had to beat his first adversary without trousers? <laughs> I have fears that the buyer generation is going to give the worst people on the internet a way to say he's not really the doctor as Tennant is still there. Particularly if we get some future 14 Donna adventures. But I think it is about time we stopped caring what the worst people on the internet think. I'm going for five lights here. That's a very good point. Why should we be worried about Twitter bellends and what they think? It's leave and be and we're enjoy our brilliant Doctor Who. Thanks for the feedback there, Murray. Yes, uh, thank you very much for everybody that's sent feedback in over the course of this three episodes. Uh, we do want your feedback also for the Christmas Day special, uh, which uh, you know we'd love to be able to read out. We are now going to go on to the generic unit soldier of the week. Who was the worst presenter, worst host on this episode? I woke up this morning, put on my red shirt. Oh, so let's go with Deb. It is a difficult one, but Suki, because he's a nerd. Because I'm a nerd and I'd like to point things out to make sure it's factually correct. You're pointing it out. Okay. All right, okay. I'll take it, Deb. I'll take it. Go on, Drew. 
Well, I, I, I feel like uh, saying the worst presenter, it was a bit of a pointed um, barb at myself there after all my uh, poor pronunciations that I've done Damn, in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, th- I think I'm going to have to uh, get one back at you, Asuki, and, and vote for you. Plus, I still think you, you'd quite happily go out as a, a general um, unit person dying in the, li- in the line of duty. Well, yeah, I'll be the one rushing at the, the toy maker, hoping to be turned into a bunch of balls and then screaming in agony in Shirley, Shirley Bingham's arms. Yes. Uh, so I've got to pick somebody, even though I'm actually the generic unit soldier of the week. So I am actually going to go for Deb, right? Because, no, actually, I'm not. I'm going to go between the pair of you, both of you for ganging up on me. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't have to, but I am going to have to. Uh, and I think I should have double points, so that both of you get two points each. Uh, uh, to make I'm... it a best of three, shall we? Yes. <laughs> but as the toy maker says, you've got to play by the rules, and the rules are you get one vote. But actually, doesn't uh, Drew regenerate into Deb? All right, so therefore, we... I'm only voting for the one person. I'm giving two points for that one person. We bi-generated. Yes, yeah, sounds like fun. But okay, do, I'm I'm just going to give it to Deb because you know, just for old times' sake, <laughs> calling me in. At least I can no pronounce shooty. Yeah, well, I wanted to give it to Drew as well because of the shooty thing. But yeah, uh, I would have done I if I thought about it. Mm. I've got to give it to one person, so I'm going to give it to Deb because it's old time, and uh, I always give it to Deb. So yeah, so I'm going to give it to Drew instead. Then. How am I going to be? Oh, well, yeah, um, you've already said it. I was hundred percent going to say being made into uh, multicoloured balls. Yeah, yeah. with yeah. your head in one of them. That's a brilliant way to go. Yeah, yeah it's I definitely got balls. Pass it on to one of my grandkids, and uh, they'll be just bouncing me off the wall all the while. Or, or shocked off. by that. Um, what was it the Galvatronic laser? That I thought. Why didn't it burn a hole in him? That's what I didn't get. Well, or make him get... explode. Maybe because it's a specific type of um, weapon that maybe doesn't destroy flesh. It maybe just destroys materials and that, yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, thank you very much uh, for uh, listening to us on our ramble through these last three episodes. It's really enjoy- uh, I really, I've really enjoyed talking to you guys. Um, and uh, all these, all the people that have sent feedback in, as I says, fantastic. Thank you. Hope to see you all at Christmas uh, yeah. with our uh, the new um, story. Any speculation? I forgot about that. Any speculation by you guys? I think there's going to be goblins in it. Yeah, goblins, definitely. some kind of think... flying ship of some kind. Yeah, I think the doctor's going to have trousers on. Yeah, <laughs> new companion maybe. Mm-hmm. There's the, the the as we've already mentioned the the scene in the nightclub with the uh, the kilt and the uh, the tank top. There's that. Uh, if you look, if the, the 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 synopsis that has been sent out is that uh, Ruby was left as a baby somewhere, and in the American trailer, the American trailer, which is the Disney Plus trailer, I should say, there is a scene. Which might be a bit spoiler reaction. I might just leave that. If you guys want to see, do try find the Disney Plus trailer 
and you you the, there is a bit of a spoiler in there on behalf of drew and deb uh i just want to uh, thank you all for uh, listening to this podcast i thank wish you, you a happy 100%. christmas happy christmas yes. happy yes. christmas to everybody happy else. doctor who day and a merry christmas to you all thank you bye ta-da bye <laughs> <laughs> What a game we are playing. <laughs> Episode 3 is nuts. It's just nuts. It's the most varied, probably, of the three stories. It's the least predictable, I would say. Oh, what fun. This has been an unbelievably exciting and exhausting role. It's epic in scale. Open when I read for the first time, it absolutely blew my mind. I mean, it just goes to so many places. There's moments that hark back to the show from the 60s. An old enemy that I wanted to bring back. The Toymaker. Gothic horror in the world of the Toymaker. I am being asked to do things. Worldwide premiere. I have done in the past, but never simultaneously. I picture it as a giant sandbox filled with quicksand. I'm sinking and I'm playing. Not sure in what degree. Winner or lose and that's it. There are moments that hark back to the show from the early 2000s. Jane Lethbridge Stewart. A military high-tech story. It does what Russell does so beautifully. It's universal and epic and extraordinary as well as being intimate. I'm sorry. And then there's lots of very new stuff, and it very much takes the show into its future as well. Is this the end of the Doctor's life? Are we heading towards a regeneration? What on earth is going to happen there? An action sequence that is a three men playing catch on the side of a skyscraper, but with the fate of humanity as its end result. All companions, everything thrown in. I think this is going to be pretty classic. One for the record books. A bit iconic, I think. Mm. It's pretty non-stop, actually. I think these specials are going to be larger than anything that the Who-niverse has seen, and everyone's really excited. There's a lot going on in this third special. It's marvellous. I love you. Get out. Spice up your life. I can't remember the rest of that tune. See the little goblin, see his little feet, and um, his little nosy work. That was that's off the next episode, isn't it? And the little nosy woozy isn't the goblin sweet. Oh, well, while you're doing that, I need to use the loo, so I'll be back in a sec. All right. Is he take the mic with you. Should we talk talk about shooting? Oh, we can <laughs> do, yes. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be editing this bit though, isn't he? I know so... it's giving him a big surprise. <laughs> uh, yes. Since I can't think of anything rude to say about Suki, we could say something nice about him. Yes. That would surprise him, couldn't we? He's all right, really. Isn't he, he? He's not bad. Not bad. He's a good egg. He's probably yeah. there, and he's just turned his camera off and just oh, I'm going to the loo now. I maybe mm, sometime. Maybe sometime. Yeah. <laughs> He'll never return. He's gone to sacrifice himself. Yeah, in the snow and the storms, be eaten by a polar bear. Yes, yes.
I just realised your jumper. It's um, yes, it's yeah, one of them. Yes, very Star Trekky. Mm. You just need the pips. Yeah, and the badge. Yeah. Hmm. Engineer, oh, is it? isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or science. Oh, no, science is blue, isn't it? No, science is uh, security. Is blue. Mm. That's what I can say, because data was was mustard. Well, you know why that is, don't you? Because they tried him in a blue one, and it didn't go very well with the really pale skin. So, mm. yes, he should be in a blue uniform. But it's... because it doesn't work well on the screen, they put him in, in the gold. Well, no, Geordie, Geordie was, was mustard as well. And well, he's engineering, engineering, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Mm. We we've devolved to Star Trek, Sookie. You see, without your guiding influence, yeah. that's where the nat we go naturally. Oh, that's no problem. I'll, as I says, I'll edit all that rubbish out. <sighs> Thank you for listening and you can find us all on twitter as a group you can find us on at trekless outpod or you can go to our facebook page at trekless out just uh, google that uh, you can find me uh, on twitter as uh underscore one five one 
So you can find me on Twitter as at Vintage1983V if you're into Star Trek shitposting um, and a lot of other thirst. Um, if you particularly like to follow me Star Trek art, um, have a look on Instagram for Vin of the Basement. Uh, and I'm just Lufty, L-U-F-F-D-E-E on Twitter. But if you are interested in knowing our obsession about Jason Isaacs, um, you can find me, Kat and Andrea posting weird stuff about Jason Isaacs. Hashtag Team Basement. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as 23BDI. <laughs>